0: Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is intended solely for the purpose of personal growth and not as a replacement for professional psychological support. The views and opinions of the hosts and guests of this show are not meant to be taken as medical advice. It is very important to seek the help of a qualified medical practitioner when making any shifts to psychiatric medication you may be taking or if you're experiencing extreme psychological distress.
1: Welcome to The Drummer and the Great Mountain.
0: Welcome, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Michael Joseph Ferguson. How are you? How's your 2019 going? I hope it's going really well. Uh, Today's topic is finding your tribe, the importance of friends and community to nourish you on your path. I feel like this is a really appropriate topic coming off of uh, our latest Alive Online workshop, as well as um, it's a topic that comes up a lot when I'm doing coaching. Uh, especially as um, people get older and we get into fam- we have a family and things are going on, we often lose connection with um, people outside of our inner circle of just family and how important it is to make time to nourish friendships uh, so that we can have a, a diversity of support in our lives so it's not placing all of the weight on our significant other um, we have more diversity, and it's more connected to what we talk about in terms of, when you think of the hunter-farmer theory, how we, we all lived in tribe. At one point or another, back in, back in the day, uh, it's in our DNA to have tribe, to have uh, a circle that's broader than just our family. And so I think part of our, a lot of the disconnection and sadness and suffering that everyone goes through, hunter type or not, I think comes from not having good community and good tribe around us. Uh, we think we have to do it by ourselves and isolate, and it's a very um, destructive tendency that is uh, encouraged somewhat in our Western culture. So I think this is gonna be a really rich episode, so please stay tuned for that. Um, and also, in, I'm gonna be shared joined uh, briefly by uh, my partner, my business partner, Cuesta, who's also my fiance and uh the love of my life and we've been together for quite a long time through the whole journey of uh writing the book publishing the book she had a lot to do with it you've many of you've interacted with her if you've been in the workshops um she's an amazing human being and so i'm really looking forward to uh talking a little bit about a friend of ours um who was part of our tribe that had has recently passed. And so we want to have a nice little conversation about her because she was a, a great gift to our um our family and uh we'll be talking about her shortly. Okay, so a couple announcements. Um, first off, um just want to thank everyone who joined the Alive Online workshop. We had a full house. Um, I'm sorry if a few of you I know weren't able to get in. Uh, there will be more coming up. So we're going to try to do this more regularly. So um, if you're not already, please get on the email list for the drummer, drummerinthegreatmountain.com. Uh, or it's, especially if you want to get on the wait list, I'd encourage you to drop us an email at info at alivelifecoaching.com. That's info at alivelifecoaching.com. So just drop us a line and say, please put me on the wait list, and we will make sure that you get in uh, into the next one, and there won't be any problem of you, uh, you know, getting in at the last minute, and not being able to uh, to get in because we've closed it up. Part of why we do that is if we have too many people, um, we don't given people don't get enough one-on-one support. And so we actually opened it up to a few more people this time, and it worked out good. So we may even open up a little bit more on the next one, maybe have a little more people. Um, but we do need to cap it. So I apologize if you weren't able to get in. Uh, you can. There'll be more coming up, I assure you. Um, and so some reflections just on the workshop. Uh, we had people from all around the world. So hunter types from... Pretty much every part of the globe was on, were on this one. A few people actually tuned in at three in the morning where they were at. We had some people in Japan and Australia, uh, which was amazing commitment. Um, we also record them. So a lot of a lot of people had to tune into the recordings um, and just interact through the Facebook group. But we had a great time. This was a fantastic group of people. Lots of wins from uh, just really enjoyed hearing uh, what really worked, what really resonated, what tools were really helpful. Um, each workshop, there's there's a different theme that I noticed starts to crop up of of the thing that really seems to support people the most. And on this one, we did a live, I did a live mind mapping um, demo of how to use mind mapping in planning your day, which you've heard me talk about before, and uh, encouraged everyone to start doing that as as their daily part of their time management planning. And it seemed to work really well. And I was really pleased to see um, that unfold. So uh, and and as time goes on, if you've been in other workshops, each one is a little different, because I've coached a lot more people each between each one. And so I've learned more and, and everything gets refined and, and, uh, and I constantly update the workshop me and Cuesta will go through and, and talk through how the last one went, make some adjustments. So each time it's different. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to make the next one. Uh, we will be announcing it, uh, as soon as we have a date. And I have a feeling we'll do a few each year. So there'll probably be another one coming up in a few months. So definitely uh, look forward to interacting with you then. And there may, actually may be a couple uh, surprise events coming up here uh, even before that. So um, definitely be on get, on get yourself on the email list if you aren't so you can just get all the announcements. Okay, so um, that's that. And then the next uh, piece of news is we are now on Amazon. So uh, as you may have heard me say in the past, I, I decided not to put the book on Amazon in the beginning because I wanted people to come to the website, join the email list and start to build a relationship. And to my great surprise, that worked really well. I was, wasn't was sure if people would be willing to like go to a website and like, who is this person? Are they going to buy the book? But they did. And so it's built a really tight community. So uh, now, as we've grown, and we've grown <laughs> surprisingly, I can't believe the, the size of the audience at this point, um, we decided to put it on Amazon. And um, so the first request would be, um, if you have enjoyed the podcast, if you've enjoyed the book, If you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes and writing uh, a review on Amazon, that would be wonderful because now it's up there and I'd like to, um, it just helps people get exposed to the material. And so when the people see like, oh, okay, this person had a really good experience, they're more likely to buy it and we're a small press. So it really helps us keep uh, doing this work and expanding this work and doing other programs that surround this work. So if you have a moment and you've enjoyed the podcast and you enjoyed the book, consider uh, checking that out. So just go to the link in the description. The more important news, and I know many of you have been asking for this, we are now available on Kindle. So um, if you've been waiting for the book to come out in Kindle, it is there. Uh, so again, just Google Drummer in the Great Mountain, Amazon or Kindle, you'll find it. It'll be right there. So uh, again, if, you, if you've enjoyed the book, consider writing a view, review. That would be great. I would really appreciate that. Um, okay. So there's that. And, um, I've got a new find that I'm, what I'm trying to do going into 2019 is really expand this work a bit and expand, um, kind of keep an eye out for things that I think you would all enjoy and people that you'd like to connect potential hunter types out there doing work, which I don't know if this person is, but, uh, I was really inspired by this. So, uh, I was, Looking through YouTube at the beginning of the year, looking at just some travel, some people doing travel stuff, and I ran across uh, this guy named Johan. I, I believe his last name is Giorgio. Gilgor- Give me a second. Johan Giorgio. I think that's how he pronounces He's Bulgarian. Uh, don't worry about it. I'll send I'll, I'll have the link. You want to look that up. So uh, he had started in, I think, 2015 and traveled by bike from the arctic circle circle to argentina which is pretty amazing so he did it in a few different sections but he he really in <laughs> a very inspiring and probably a hunter type given like when you watch his ability to navigate Um, especially uh, the natural terrain and just he basically took a tent and just slept by the side of the road most of the time and he really did it connected with the locals he learned Spanish when he got into Mexico and um, it's just so heartening to see his interactions with both the natural world as in respect for the natural world as well as um, how he interacted with, especially the poorer parts of, of um, South America, I was just really impressed by his um, expansiveness and his connectedness. That he could just meet people, and everybody wanted to talk to him, and he really made it a point to connect with people. Um, but more importantly, he, he was very sensitive. He said he, it was really hard to be in cities. He really needed to be out in the country. He really needed to, to, um, you know, just be away from the. Uh, the, the buzz of the modern world. And, uh, you can kind of vicariously live through him on his journey. So I highly recommend it. If you, if you have a moment, check it out. Um, I believe it's called see the world. I think that was, that was the kind of the moniker he put, but, uh, he's got a whole YouTube channel and there's about, geez, I think six or seven videos that are really long that go through his journey. Uh, from the Arctic Circle on bike <laughs> for, all the way down to Argentina. So highly recommended. I think the, the Hunter type community will appreciate this. And at some point, I'd love to actually have him on the podcast. So uh, we'll see. As I, the last I checked, he's in the middle of uh, the backwoods of Argentina. So I don't know how, how connected he is at this point. Um, anyway, uh, check the description for the link on that. And I'll see if I can post that to Facebook as well. Okay, so on to today's theme. Finding your tribe, the importance of friends and community to nourish you on your path. So, this is a big topic and, and something we may actually re-explore uh, sometime in the future because I feel like this idea of tribe is a really big deal for us hunter types. It's we're if uh, if genetically it holds true that this is what makes us um wired the way we're wired is that we have these uh, genetics that come back from our hunter gatherer traits that are been in the gene pool for thousands and thousands and thousands of years then tribe is definitely part of that because every indigenous culture that is still hunter gatherers that are still on the planet um they live in tribe tribe is an important piece and a tribe is is again not just family it's this bigger circle of tight-knit connections And um, there's a big difference between that and living. Off by ourselves in our little homes, away from other people, um, it is just not how we we're wired to to live. I really believe that, and I feel like there's so much suffering as a result of living that way. Uh, and I've been very blessed in my life to have had times where I've lived in community uh, in various forms, where I've like a community house where we'd have events and things like that. To um, even doing uh, starting a recording studio on the Big Island of Hawaii and had a community of musicians. And uh, just living together, uh, eating food together. And I think there's a really distorted kind of uh, thinking back to the 60s and communes. And I think that that in the it kind of uh, the modern culture tends to paint that as like, oh, that was kind of weird. And what was that about? But when you're in it, and I know many of you have experienced some form of community or another, it's, it's so nourishing. It's such an amazingly nourishing experience. So. Beyond that, just connecting with friends and having community and building community of, of support and connection with people outside of your immediate family is is just crucial. So, uh, as I stated, and just like going back to the hunter farmer theory, all of our ancestors were hunter gatherers. That is undeniable. So it's in our DNA. To, uh, when we have community, it'll it gives us a sense of feeling safe, supported, and seen. Uh, and and it just gives us a sense of connectedness. And uh, this is something we need. We're wired for it. And when we don't get nourishing community, um, we can go into some really dark places. And I think hunter types specifically can get into depression and extreme feelings of isolation when we don't have that. And part of, um, if we've grown up and we've been picked on and we were ostracized in some way, many of us have for being different and feeling kind of not part of like the, uh, the cliques in school, which I don't think of as community. <laughs> I think that is like very, uh, you know, a poor representation of community. If it is that vibe, um, then Our tendency is to fear being around others in community. And uh, I was very fortunate to have played that journey out where I when I was young, I was very ostracized by my peers growing up from like first grade to eighth grade around there. And then once I hit high school, kind of found my groove a bit, found music and was able to slowly um, feel more connected. And then once I moved to the islands, when I was 25, when I moved to Kauai specifically, then I really found my tribe. I mean, that was when I was like, wow, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life is people like this who were, um, very creative, introspective, um, definitely carried a certain level of wisdom from and have traveled a lot. And I think that's a big piece of, of growth, And, you know, it's interesting even watching, mentioning uh, Johan earlier that, you know, it brought back to me that sense of when you travel, you and you're open to new people and new ways of being, it changes you as a human being. And you, you can walk through the world and you don't have the same level of this is all there is. And when you feel like this is all there is and you feel like this culture is, you know, fine and we're, we're just this is how it's supposed to be, then it's really easy to feel uh, ostracized or separate or somehow really messed up. And when you get out of your comfort zone, you reach out and you connect with other communities and other and other ways of being and from other cultures, it opens you up to, wow, this is our way of doing things. It's actually kind of messed up. Uh, and I think that really relates to this idea of hunter-gatherer, hunter-farmer, and and be us being hunter types. Uh, and again, the ADD, ADHD label is sort of the, what happens when we don't get what we need, when we're not living from our fullness, when we're not um, experiencing life in the way that we naturally are 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 built to engage life instead of sitting for long periods of time. And like, you know, we'll go into that in a bit. So, I think that's the big piece about finding your tribe is it's it's friends, it's community, it's, it's other people like yourself that can understand you for who you are. Um, in terms of, again, the self judgments uh, for us hunter types on the ADD ADHD in that label, um, we're constant looking at the culture and perhaps other people that are really embedded in the culture. And, uh, there's all these things that, that surround the Western world in terms of like mundane tasks and paperwork and insurance and taxes and school tests and assignments and assessments for work and sitting for long periods of time. That's not normal. That's not naturally how we're built to live. And so if we can recognize that the, what's really helpful is then we don't have this sense of like we're dysfunctional because we can't do that because perhaps maybe this isn't the most functional way to live to begin with. So then you can at least come at it from a different perspective of, okay, well, this is what survival looks like right now in this moment, because you still have to be in the world. You, you know, you can, you can technically sell everything and move to another place and that's, that's possible. But if you have a family and you have all these connections, it's a little difficult. But when you have the perspective of maybe there's another way of being, maybe um, I need to kind of quote unquote play the game a bit, but in a way that I don't judge myself for being the way I am, takes a lot of the pressure off. There's so much energy that can be put in, that gets put into self-judgment, and it just it just erodes our self-esteem. And so half of the challenges I see with my coaching clients is the inner dialogue it's like half the battle. It's like if they just calm the inner dialogue down and have a little more self-compassion and and perspective, they're actually way more functional just because so much energy is being burned, beating themselves up. And again, that gets programmed from other people. That's, that's from family schools. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it's like, uh, your intimate relationship, the people in your life, it's, it's that. And so, Again, the importance of having people in your life that can see you, that respect you, that see um, your core self and maybe who are wired similarly to you is so important. And it's an, as we get older, it's really important for us to actively create that in our lives. It becomes, it's a little easier when we're younger to meet people and to connect. When we get older and things, family starts to happen, we have to make time for it. So going back to our natural way of being um, one of the highlights of modern culture is it's extremely destructive and disconnected from the natural world, uh, which is kind of insane. When, you, when we look back to the 1800s when white man came to America and they, uh, the natives thought we were insane because, for one thing, we slaughtered all of the buffalo for the, for the, the pelts. And they just thought this was completely insane. Like, why would you do? What would you destroy this entire species? It's not gonna give to you anymore. They had a clear understanding that they were part. Of nature, which is the truth. Like your body is part of nature. You can't get around that, no matter what you think and how uh, conceptual you want to go. Your body is still part of nature. It came from the earth. That is where it comes from. So when we perceive ourselves as separate from nature, we become destructive. And part of that, it's and it's a way of thinking. It's a way of perceiving ourselves as separate. When we do that, it's really easy to then destroy our environment and, more importantly, destroy our physical body because we perceive our physical body. We don't have that same level of respect and care for our physical body. And for hunter types, it is essential, as you've heard me say before many times, to take care of our physical bodies. We have a sensitive neurological system. When we don't take care of it, we don't feed it good fuel, then we, it's way harder for us to focus on things that we need to focus on, have the energy we need to to just function in the world. We It is so imperative for us to take care of ourselves, to get cardio, to get new, good nutrition in our bodies. And it kind of goes back to this. And so when you feel that you're part of nature, then your body is your doorway into that. And so the more you take care of it, the more you are creating um, a different world for yourself and around the people around you. It's there's there's this ripple effect that I've noticed that when I started taking care of myself, I had an impact on the people around me, not even by talking to them about it. Just because the people recognize, wow, they've got more energy. They seem like they're, they have like a glow about them. And um even like I said, when I was living on the islands in my 20s, I was really blown away by how alive those people were that I found in, that I connected with in community. There was an aliveness because they were really connected to their physical bodies and they were really connected to the natural world. And it's, it's striking if you haven't, if you're just around people that are eating crappy foods and they're just embedded in the culture, there's a deadness that comes from that. And when you meet people, especially I notice with the kids on kawaii is those kids were like so alive they had so much energy and vitality and yet they could sit and be present and make eye contact it was striking and it really brought home to me wow this like the way i was brought up and no offense to my family it was just where we lived and the culture we grew up in there were there were missing pieces and um and again i think this all comes back to tribe it comes back to having um, people around you to support you on your journey of being healthy to being well to being connected and seeing you for who you are um, and I think we get addicted uh, th- there's this other piece and we'll talk more about this in a little bit is that in in our culture and in, in the cultural myths of watching you know when you watch television and stories and especially music there's this sense that, uh, our significant other, the person, the romantic relationship, is going to meet all of our needs magically. This we're going to find like the soulmate, and that's going to just change our lives forever. And they're going to be perfect, and and that's why we have divorce. <laughs> that's why divorce ways went way through the roof because no one person can do that for you. No one person can meet all your needs, and yet we are addicted to this thought form that this one other person should do all these things for us. And when they, when they show it for us in the way we want, we're happy and we're in love and it's great. And when they don't, when they're human and they have their own needs, then we get angry and frustrated and violent sometimes. And it's because, and I trace it back to lack of community, lack of other people in your life to create that level of support and connectedness and, and nurturance that, um, and it's a cultural thing. It's not just, um, it's not just one or it's not you're messed up because you feel this way. It's because we've been embedded in a very dysfunctional thought form for, for our entire lives. I feel very confident in saying that at this point, I think when I was in my twenties, I would, I'd have those thoughts, but now I've just, there's just no doubt in my mind that is the truth. And so to, to, it's like having a building with only one pillar to hold it up. You're going to be, have a much more functional <laughs> structure that'll be safer and more, um, you know, stable because it's got multiple pillars. When you have multiple sources of Support and nurturance in your life, you're gonna be you're gonna be more calm when something comes up between you and your significant other. Then you're gonna be able to ma- manage it better because it's not all riding on this person in this moment to meet that need for connection and support that we often uh, place solely on our significant other. And it creates a. And, and also, I can say, probably many of you feel the same way on the opposite end of that, where you feel like the other person in your life is really pulling on you and pulling on you and pulling on you and if they had that kind of support they would probably feel a little bit less attachment and a little more sense of connect like they could manage and have a conversation with you and see you for who you are instead of as a vessel for them to get their needs met and it's just unfortunate that these are the patterns that we have to deal with and i see it a lot in my coaching process and i really have to start talking people through here's How are you placing all of your needs on this one person? And it's really easy to get to the bottom. I mean, it's once it becomes it it rises in your awareness. It's really easy to see it. Like, oh wow, I'm doing that. But then the emotional threads of unplugging from that—that's a journey. That's not something that can just change like that. But it does. Take making connections, building community, and later on, we'll talk about just ways of doing that and some ideas on, on uh, some action items you can take. Um, so, with that, one of the things I've noticed with coaching is when people get married and they have a family, there's a strong tendency to place friends as very low on the priority list, and that's understandable. You've got family, you've got you know, if you're Providing for your family, or you're a mom and you're taking care of the family, then there's not a lot of time left at the end of the day. But it's even more important when you have family to have people outside of that circle to support you. Now, in other tribes, it's really, in tribes, I can even mean just other cultures in, in other parts of the world, it's very common for uh, the, the grandparents and other people to be involved. More directly in the day to day, and so even with discipline and things like that, because it 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 gives some more space for the parents. So the parents aren't having to hold up everything to do with child rearing. And um, now we send people off, kids off to school, and then they have you know people that you probably don't know. You don't know what their values are as far as teachers. Teachers are amazing. Um, but at the same time, you need there's there's other components to a strong, healthy family uh, that often tend to just even just the outer circle of the tribe, like grandparents, like cousins, and 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 some of you may have that, but a lot of us don't have that, or it's not part of the system. Like we're off in our own circle, and this is what we do, and okay, we'll kind of let you in for a little bit on you know parties, and then we kind of pull back instead of having a more broader support system that's part of the day to day. Uh, and again, these are things that can shift once you become aware of it. And once you think, okay, now maybe there's ways of being that could be different than how we're doing it. Uh, but mostly it's like taking the pressure off. When you start to think this way, when you start to think in terms of what other kind of support can I bring in, then it opens the door to like, well, what, you know, how can life be easier? How can life be more fulfilling? So all of these pieces of having tribe, having connectedness uh, with more than just your inner circle. Um, it really opens the door for some, you know, some of the needs that often go really unmet. Okay. And with that, I'd like to bring on my partner, Cuesta. Um, If you have not interacted with her before, this might be the first time you hear her voice. She's the brains behind the operation. Uh, She um, handles all of the coaching business. She's been, uh, she's done so much in terms of Getting the book done, marketing. I mean, this is, she's my other half. So, welcome to the podcast.
2: Uh, Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be on today. Um, I really, always really enjoy interacting via email and phone with all of you around the world. So, this is definitely not my comfort zone, Um, but I am very much looking forward to sharing a little bit about. Uh, one of our beloved tribe members, Annabeth Hinderling.
0: Yeah, Annabeth was... um, So to introduce Annabeth, um, she had a very big role to play in all of this. She... um, She hosted our first book release party back in 2012, September
2: September of 2014, Uh,
0: 2014. Okay. That's right. We were
2: just wrapping up the book in 2012.
0: That's right. That's right. So 2014 is actually when, so that was when we, uh, and I had no idea, what kind of impact the book would have? I was just, I just had to get it done. <laughs> I was like, I gotta, I gotta get this thing. I was probably driving Cuesta mad because of it.
2: Well, even this conversation is very illuminating because uh, one of the differences, not to go off topic with Annabeth, but one of the big differences between Michael and I is he thinks big. Um, and it's kind of the fluid perception of hunter type time, whereas I am more of the the detail person. I tend to, it's a little harder for me to start big projects because I think of all the little details involved. So that's a little bit behind why we're a great team.
0: That is absolutely true. We, we're, we've, we have complementary skills and the results are there. I mean, we've built three businesses together at this point and we've interacted with uh thousands and thousands of people so it's been a, it's been a journey um and and yeah i mean just as an aside this is this is um when you find someone as a companion uh that understands you and is willing to go through the fires with you and and to uh come out the other end is um it's a great gift
2: Ah, oh, thank you. So, yes, Annabeth um, hosted our first book release party in September of 2014. Um, and she was a huge supporter. Um, the three of us actually all jointly met. Annabeth and I had known each other for many years. Um, and I knew Michael for many years as well um, through his music. Um, And in 2012, and I think that's probably what Michael was thinking about, um, was the year that I envisioned, um, I also teach restorative yoga, um, and I had envisioned bringing together uh, Michael for music and Annabeth as kind of the facilitator of our sacred circle um, in doing a yoga event, which was benefiting Um, a local uh, home in San Diego uh, that is like a safe house for women who have uh, escaped from human trafficking, which is also something I'm really passionate about. So that was the first time that all three of us were together in circle and community, and we... Sold out. We had a full house of <laughs> yeah. music and yoga and um, very much a tribal community gathering. So and that, that
0: was packed. I remember yes. that was just wall to wall. Like we, we couldn't have fit another person in that room.
2: Yeah, but that's always an interesting experience because when you are with your tribe, you can often, you know, fit many more people in the room because the synergy of the energy is just so perfect. Um, So Annabeth met Michael when he was just finishing his book and was a huge influence, um, a huge support. Um, She really identified with the work herself. And uh, when we actually launched our first live online workshop in January of 2017, we were planning on inviting her to participate as a guest. Um, And we hadn't even had a chance to make the phone call and she signed up and paid and would refused to refund, um, so she was our, our first participant in our workshop and uh, a huge support to this work. Um, so one of the things that made Annabeth really unique is um, she is of Swiss ancestry, um, but she grew up until she was 12 in Bolivia in South America. Um, so she had that very kind of meshing of cultures Um, her father passed away when she was i believe either 12 or 13 and she moved back to switzerland so but her early years where she was really kind of developing who she was she grew up in a very um you know warm community tribal environment in bolivia so she really carried that with her her whole life Um, and ever since the day I met her, as well as the day Michael met her, um, she was just one of those people that you knew was your tribe. Um, she created beauty and sacredness, um, everywhere she went and always made everyone feel very included, um, wherever they were, whatever their beliefs were. I always remember her saying she didn't like to get into politics. She just wanted to connect on a heart space and see everyone as a global family. Um, So the three of us co-created a lot of beautiful events together. And uh, so in August, and i Apologize that my voice is cracking a little. In August of 2017, um, the first week of August um, was when she received her cancer diagnosis, as well as Michael's mother. So she passed away um, on.
0: Let's see. What's I think it was September.
2: On September 17th. September of this 17th. Last year. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And what struck me about Annabeth was she her generosity of spirit was she was just a very abundant, giving human being. She just gave. And and the testimony to her life was when we when she passed, they they had an event at her house, like kind of just for people to come and remember her. And um, it was it was like a concert. Had,
2: had, <laughs> we were walking up the street. <laughs> Michael's like, like "Is there a rock concert going on it in was the just, neighborhood?"
0: It was for for for, I, I, for blocks. There were cars and it's everywhere. People
2: of all of all colors and backgrounds and walks of life. Um, and uh, she just really believed in in bringing us all together. Um, she studied Buddhist meditation a lot. Yes. Um, so just bringing us all together um, in that simple, mindful connection. She was also very connected to the natural world yeah. um, and also to, as Michael was talking about, to the physical body. Like, And I think that that really came from growing up in South America. Um, she was very connected to dance and to yoga to as well as art. She was a classically trained pianist and uh, did body work and healing um, and just an all-around amazing woman who we know is is still with us, um, but definitely one of the core people in our tribe. And um, when she passed away, and some of you may be familiar um, in yoga and meditation um people oftentimes do sound healing and she left me her full set of crystal bowls so um michael and i are both feeling the call to carry on that work that she did bringing bringing together community and tribe
0: yeah 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 i remember right as she we, we the year between when she found out and when she passed we would go over um, in the evenings and uh do yoga with her make and make music and play music and, and, and
2: yummy food
0: yeah and i remember i showed her my talking stick which we'll, we'll talk about the talking stick in a future podcast for sure and she was just like okay i'm doing it and i think she she made one and then she did she did like a whole workshop where she had people over where they made talking sticks she was very combustible you could she was creatively um very uh refined and she, but yes. she would always, she was constantly creating her whole life was creativity. So, uh, and she very much resonated with the book. And I remember she would, uh, text me after a podcast and she'd say, i listened to the podcast and she'd have my, her notes on it. And, um, yeah, just what a beautiful spirit she was. So Annabeth Hinderling, um, we just want to honor it and state our gratitude for how you've affected us and the blessings you've given us and and to all the people in that are listening to this podcast right now and especially those who attended the first online workshop. Yeah, uh,
2: some of you probably know her from from our first online workshop where she was a very vibrant participant and shared all of her beautiful words and pictures and
0: Yeah, and inspirations. the other The other thing that I remember Annabeth, is she she committed she was f- full in. She was there was no like halfway. She she committed a hundred percent. And again, this is I think with uh, having members of your tribe, like having people in your life or seeking them out that are. I would say she's also an elder. She really reached out and gave back to the next generation. Uh, She had her family, but then she continued to grow that uh, family outside of, she grew the the community outside her. She built her tribe and she continually fed that tribe, whether it was uh, schooling at her school. It's like so many of the people that we would sit in circle with after she passed were people that were just like other parents that Annabeth had had huge impacts on because of just, they were, you know, her kids went to school with, with their kids. And yet that the bond that she created was very, very special. So, um, so we want to honor Annabeth and then the other, um, so Annabeth passed in September. We've, I've lost, we've, we've lost quite a few people the last few months. Uh, the other person I want to bring up is my friend Quintana who, um, is the most, one of the closest to the indigenous people, like how he lived of anyone that I've met. So, uh, he just passed, um, at the beginning of this year, I don't have the date, but it was in January of pancreatic cancer. And he was maybe 10, 12 years older than I I am. Uh, so Quintana, another magical being. It's the only way I can describe him. Um, he, (sighs) To, it's, I can't understate his influence on my life uh, and I didn't spend a lot of time with him but the time that I had was transformational so going back to I was 25 years old I had a company in uh, Newport Beach uh, a multimedia company after uh, the internets kind of, or the the web worldwide wide web started coming into being in 95. So in ninety by ninety eight, I had I had assembled a, a group of people that was working with me. Um, had an office. had a you know a, a three bedroom uh, um, townhouse that was full of stuff, and I, something was missing. And I think anyone outside of my life would say, "Wow, you've got like clients like Mazda and Toyota, and all like you you did it." But I felt flat. I felt lost. I was like, "This isn't it. This doesn't feel right." And I remember, um, Quintana, I had met him at, uh, I saw him play. He was a didgeridoo player before didgeridoo was like on the map. It's become much more popular, but, um, I had met him, I think it was in Sedona and, uh, just a really interesting guy. And I just thought, you know, I'll just, and I'm a musician. So I said, you know, if you're in town in Newport beach, give me a ring. And he called me and he came and stayed and we just hung out a little bit. And then he went on his way and he was very much a gypsy. He would travel all the time. He was a musician. He lived very, very simply because he wanted to keep his world light. So he, if he wanted to travel, he could travel. And, um, he, uh, came into town a few months later after that. And he said, I'm traveling around the world. Come with me. And I'm like, uh, I kind of got all this stuff. He's like, And it just, something in that clicked inside me and I just went, yes, I need to do this. And I remember vividly going to one of the other offices that was next to my office and talking to a guy who owned a company there. And he said, you know what, I'm, at the time he was probably in his forties, he says, you know what, I, I stayed here this whole time and I made a lot of money and I'm doing really well, but I so wish I had the opportunity to have just gone and traveled and seen the world. He says, you should do it. So with that, (laughs) I proceeded to with Quintana's. like, I would not have been able to do this without Quintana. He just helped me scale everything down. I had like three bedroom townhouse and literally got rid of everything. I got down, I got down to a guitar and a backpack and a couple boxes that I stored at my parents' house with some photos. And, um, I was excited about it, but the morning I woke up that I was going to be leaving and I saw this giant pile of stuff in my living room that I was bringing to Goodwill, it was probably one of the most terrifying experiences of my whole life. I'm like, what am I doing? So we had a one-way ticket to Maui. We did not know who we were going to stay with. It was a total jump into the unknown. And Quintana was so patient with me Because he was used to this. He would go and he met so many different people. He was really easy. He just just made uh, it, it was easeful for him to travel through the world and meet new people. And he would just get on the phone and talk to this person. So I remember us traveling together, very excited, on a plane uh, to Maui. We got to Maui. And he's like, all right, it's going to be fine. You just Sometimes you just got to trust. And so he made some phone calls. He's like, okay, I got a place for us to stay. We're going to Makawao, um, which is a in, little inland from Maui. And the journey started. And it was, if you can imagine living in one world and then completely having that whole world that you had built completely dissolve, and there was no turning back. I had nothing to turn back to. So I had to go forward. And, um, he, I traveled with him. He connected me with all these different people that have become, you know, family to me, like core friends that have been life changing for me. But had I not had him to say, look, don't be attached to stuff. You don't need this stuff. Let it go. There's a bigger world waiting for you. And had it. And he was utmost confident. He had already traveled the world. He'd already gone through it. And the, the gift that he gave me was so profound because I was able to shed all of the, the layers of what I would say Western culture and live very simply, uh, settled on Kauai and lived in the backwoods and ate very simply. And, um, it was, a uh, I just, it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. And so, um, after that, once I got there and I kind of got my sea legs and was able to connect in, I mean, he kept going. He floated off and did other things. And so I would see him every few years. I'd go back to Kauai and I'd see him uh, once I moved away. I moved up to Mount Shasta and some other places. and um, But it was always when I'd see him again, it was just like just instant connection. Um, so in terms of our audience, um, when I started working on this book, so that was around 2010, um, I'd worked on it for about a year and then he came into town I was in Temecula at that time in California and I told him about it and he's like, that's me he, he said I, I, this, is, this is like his challenges with addiction, his challenges with, he said he was always like really smart in school but um, the, the kids, like he was picked on a bit, the teacher said he was, you know, he's really smart but just constantly gets distracted couldn't live in the modern world and so he pretty much just decided to live this way, and and his, he was so alive. He was just one of those people that just had such vibrancy. But he, it, it was striking to me as I started working on the book of how many people I knew, especially in that world, were hunter types. And so um, that was the last interaction I had with him as I was I spent time with him. I shared with him about this twenty eleven. I looked back in my my journal entries and found that. And um, so, I would like to, you know, say uh, express my my gratitude for him in my life. And I know, hopefully, there'll be other people that know him that I'll pass this podcast on to. That um, he's a very special being, and I uh, just want to express my personal gratitude for what he did for my life.
2: So, as we wrap up talking about Annabeth and Quintana, um, what's really coming to me listening to this is how do we know when we've found our tribe? Um, and for me, how you know is when you can really be your authentic self, um, you can be fully expressed, really the essence of yourself expressed and you feel like those around you really see you and respect you for that. Um, So I just wanted to bring a little bit of that because unfortunately so much in our modern society, um, so many of the social interactions that we have the opportunity to participate in um, really are just kind of on the surface. Um, They don't have that depth. And whenever we would spend time with Annabeth, it was such a deep, rich, connected, and very balanced connection where we all felt very expressed and honored um so i would just like to leave all of you before i turn it back over to michael so annabeth gave these bracelets to several of her friends um, and they have a buddhist blessing on them and they're not just a bracelet they twist so they're never ending
0: it's like a mobius strip
2: yes and so the blessing is and this is the blessing being the first time I've been on the podcast that I would like to leave you all with from Annabeth. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be happy. May all beings be safe. May all beings awaken to the light of their true nature. May all beings be free.
0: That's so Annabeth to give you that. I remember when she gifted us that, that she gifted you that. And, and she was, um, I got to keep sharing because it was really profound. When we, we all gathered together right before she passed at the beach, it was a couple of weeks before and she knew she wasn't going to be here much longer. And um, we were all holding her hands and we, we held hands with her and she, she had that on her hand, that bracelet, and someone was, I forget who it was. In the...
2: One of the people in the circle had not been one of the people that she had gifted it to. And she took off her bracelet and put it on her hand. And I think coming back as well in talking about that day, that's um, very pertinent to the last few months of our life is that... Um, In this society, we tend to very much shy away from, we tend to only really connect with people or let people connect with us when we're doing well. And in a more indigenous tribal society, we would actually gather together more at those times when a member of our tribe needed support, um, gathering around births and deaths and illnesses and really being that, that fabric of support yeah so it's been an honor to be on the podcast today and i'm going to turn it back over to michael
0: oh thank you so much Questa, for joining i really it's such a a gift i know you were a little nervous coming on but you're you're so well-spoken um, and before you leave, I, there's one other point as we were talking that came up that, it, that, again, we'll talk about this in future podcasts, but I feel like it needs to be at least referenced here is the talking stick, which is that, that um, what I found, as Cuesta was saying, um, up until 22 years old, I really felt very, very awkward in, in uh, gatherings and parties and things like that, because it felt very surface and I felt very, uh, lost. I didn't really know how to connect in and and I couldn't just stay on the surface. It was just, uh, it was almost painful. And so I avoided that. Um, and then, um, I was introduced to a, a men's group and the men's group, uh, the leader of the group, um, they would pass a talking stick and there was a sense of presence where each person that was speaking who held this held the talking stick was given their full presence of the rest of the group without being interrupted, without being criticized or even commented on. And so each person just got seen and they would just share whatever was alive with them in that moment. And then they would just pass the talking stick around and uh, that, that form of communal connection just going through it once, just was life-changing for me. And I felt seen and respected and heard like I'd never felt before. And so um, I feel like, as Cuesta was saying, there's not a lot of those opportunities. And um, this is something I used to do quite a bit, is like pulling people together and doing talking stick, just to do it, just for no other reason. There was no other alternative mode of just getting together, sitting in community, and passing the talking stick around. Um, and there's no, not religious, it just had to do with human beings getting together to share community and to be seen for whatever it was that they were experiencing in that moment. Um, so, um. And this is we've done that a few times with with Annabeth. And so I just want to just state that there are other ways of being I mean, I guess one of the takeaways hopefully from this podcast is there's other ways of being in community uh, with connection. And sometimes we have to create it. Sometimes we have to seek it out. And
2: And it's going to look different for each of us. And that's part of the journey is, is finding that and exploring that, um, for yourself, because it's, it's going to look, um, for some people it's, you know, it may be church for some people, it may be some kind of group physical activity. Um, for some people it's those deep, you know, rich circle experiences that Michael's talking about. So I think that would be an invitation is for each of you to explore what finding your tribe looks like for you.
0: So what we're talking about here is surrounding yourself with people who understand you. Sometimes a spouse or a family member may not fully get you. um, And then the frustrations build up and then as we said before, it's like you, when you start to lose those needs of encouragement and connection because things have come up, uh, it's so imperative to reach out to people outside of your your core circle to get listening, to get encouragement, to get support, because it just it helps your your significant other and it helps you. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about like depression, anxiety, sadness, um, as uh, I've just discussed before on the podcast, uh, going back to Marshall Rosenberg and talking about needs when needs like connection, community, listening encouragement when they go unmet for a long period of time just like they're just like not having a certain vitamin we can get sick uh, and emotionally feel sick and depression I think comes um, whenever I've had coaching clients that have had, depression. And I don't do any form of psychological coaching. I'm just noticing like there's usually needs that are unmet. There's a biological component usually. And then there's also just needs that are unmet where they feel like they can't meet the need. They feel like there's no way they can get that need met. And so because of it, they they go into depression. It seems to be the nature of our emotional self to do that. And one of the big um, missing pieces for many people can, is connected to community. It's connected to listening, to being seen. Um, and all that affects self esteem. So um, if you are experiencing depression, anxiety, sadness, and, and you don't know where to turn, it's really important to find community, to find people. And, and part of that is maybe reaching out to people when you're feeling you want to just seclude yourself like start to think about who is the person that in the past has been able to support you and encourage you. Um, and if you have never found that, then it's, that's the journey. And that takes, there's many, many steps of bravery and courage that often is necessary to break through the barrier of whatever it is that you feel is keeping you from doing that, uh, so that you can get that nourishment so you can get that connection Um, hunter types definitely enjoy, usually enjoy, uh, spending time with other hunter types. So primarily, and again, going back to our our last workshop, um, it just feels really good to be around people that are wired the same way you're wired. And so what I find is most of us have those hundred types in our life that we can reach out to and connect with. Um, They may not be the most uh, stable (laughs) at times. uh, People in our lives where we feel like, okay, they're not maybe as um, consistent as we'd like them to be because that's kind of part of the wiring. But um, the understanding is often uh, so valuable. And again, not being... Getting over the thing of you not having to have all of your needs met by this one person, including friends, is really helpful to say like, okay, I can get this need met from this person, but maybe they're not a really good listener, but they really get inspired and we can like kind of jam on creative things. I've got definitely a few friends that are like that where I don't necessarily have the the emotional depth but the creativity and the energy that, that I also need as part of my life, they really feed me with that. And so again, giving people, cutting some people, some slack to just be who they are and get certain needs met from them. And again, part of that is like contributing back to them. It's usually that is a, that is a a cyclical experience where you're giving and they're giving. And there's, there's an even give and take at least in, in certain areas of your life. So, um, in closing today i want to give you some action items this is what i do at the end of my coaching calls like what are the actions that i i was thinking what would be helpful as some actions that you could potentially take away from this podcast and one of them is real simple reach out to a friend you haven't talked to in a long time, someone that you know, you have a really good connection with. And because life has uh, moved on and maybe they've moved to another location or you just haven't had the time or the space to connect with them, reach out to them. So listen to, if you're listening to this, that person's probably already popped up in your, in your, uh, on your radar already from just hearing us talk. So reach out to that person today or those people today, make it a priority the next thing is carve out time in your schedule for community and for friends, uh, whether it's going to to a group in person or seeing a person for lunch or getting on the phone, schedule the time in every week to get nourished by your friends and community. I can't stress that enough. Now we have the modern, modern technology. If they've moved away, you can also use things like zoom, FaceTime, Skype. You can bring together a few people, um, with very little effort, you can say like these three friends, we're all moved in different parts of the country or, or part of the world. Let's three weeks from now, two weeks from now, let's all get together, we'll Skype, we'll zoom, whatever it is, and we'll just hang out with each other and see each other's faces and, and just connect with them. In terms of so the, so one is reach out to a friend today, two Think about what time in your schedule you can carve out every week. What's a good time in your schedule that you can build in friend community time? So that's two. Those are two action items. The third one is seeking some form of community. If you're hearing this and that need is like, oh, that's what I need right now. You know, look to start taking some classes. Go to a yoga class. Go to Maybe there's a church nearby that you really feel connected to. Uh, Maybe there's like a meetup group or something that would just give you a sense of connection and community. It doesn't have to be the perfect. I mean, I've definitely we as me and Cuesta were talking, it's like not everyone has been exposed to that type of community that we talked about. It doesn't have to be that way. It just has to be some form of container for you to connect with people that are like minded. And if that need is really alive in you, then you then it's important to seek it out, especially as we get older. We need to make things happen. They don't just magically happen when we're younger. It's a little easier when we get older. We got to make the time Um, and see if you can get some in-person connection. You know, as juxtaposed by what I was saying before, there's a lot of virtual. We're on our phones way too much of the time. Uh, Plan to get with other people in the physical world (laughs) go to lunch go to gatherings go to events get yourself out of the house um sometimes it's difficult with family and scheduling and all that but make it happen so those are the action items i would give you for this podcast reach out to a friend today carve out time in your schedule for for connection for reaching out to friends people outside of your your core group like your family get find make those connections, call that person you haven't talked to in a while, uh, seek out some community, find some sources. And again, I'd love to hear other ideas. If you'd like to share on the Facebook group or on the Facebook page, please do so and get some in-person connection, commit to those things. If you can in the next few weeks, I think you will have a very good February, March, April, or whenever you're listening to this. So, um, I hope that's helpful. Um, As in closing, I just want to remind you all, if you're not on the email list, please get on it, drummerinthegreatmountain.com. We will have, uh, we're planning at least one thing shortly here that um, will require you being on the email list to get it. So join the email list. Um, As I've said before, we're a small press. Help spread the word. Reviews are really helpful. Goodreads, iTunes, iBooks. I couldn't believe how many positive rankings we got on uh, iTunes for this podcast. So thank you all so much who took the time to do that. Um, it was reassuring. I hadn't seen that in a while. I was like, wow, that's great. Um, and the listenership has grown tremendously. So I just want to thank you all for taking the time to do that, To for writing me. Uh, if you've written me in the past and I haven't gotten to it, especially if it was during let's see, uh, September through January of this last this, So September, 2017 through January, 2019, if I haven't gotten back to you yet, I apologize. I got a lot of correspondence and I'm slowly, I'm committing to a few every day. So if I haven't gotten back to you, I will get back to you. I assure you. um, as I said, we just added the book to Amazon. If you would like to write us a review, if you've enjoyed this the podcast and the book, please uh, take the time, spend a couple, even just rate it. It's going to help other people find this work, and I really appreciate that. As well as now, uh, reminding you that we are now on Kindle, so if you're waiting for the Kindle book, it is available. Check it out. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, I encourage you to go back and listen to the beginning 20 episodes because we go through the book chapter by chapter. What I would recommend is get the book and start going through the book while you're listening to the podcast. And you'll have a really, I think, a more dimensional experience going through some of the exercises and the topics we discuss. Uh, Consider sharing this podcast with someone you know who's a hunter type that may need this kind of support. Please spread the word. Uh, And also let us know what topics you'd like us to cover. Uh, Drop us an email at info at drummerinthegreatmountain.com. And um, I think that's it. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, If you go to drummerinthegreatmountain.com in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see all those links there. And uh, I want to thank again Cuesta for joining us. And until next time, be well.